This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome to Mandatory Minicamp Tuesday, everybody. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Beautiful sun splash day here in Orchard Park at One Bills Drive. And uh, first day of Mandatory Minicamp. And the players out on the field, almost in totality. We'll get to that in just a second. But before we do, uh, we did want to share that uh, our good friend and colleague, one John Murphy, was on the sidelines taking in practice today. Very good to see him. He's in good spirits, in great shape. So uh, Mm -hmm. nice to see Murph out here at practice. Steve and I were chatting with him for a little while. And uh, also, Steve, the other Steve that was your teammate, one Steve Christie out here working with Tyler Bass. (laughs) How cool is that? The team's all-time leading scorer out here working with Tyler Bass. That's just cool. So we walk in. We were over doing the Sean McDermott thing. It's press uh, conference. We walk back through the field house, and I see the guy in the middle of the, of the field. And I'm thinking, oh, it's, I, I, I thought it was one of the security guys that I'd seen, you know, because he was an older dude. Mm. I forget. That's, that's where we're at I'm now, sure he right? appreciates that. Right. So then I go over, and I turn around and look at him, and we're walking out to practice, and I walk by him at a different angle. So I go, oh, my gosh. And you know what? <laughs> he didn't recognize me either. <laughs> so we had this nice little reunion. Um, Haggis and I, Haggis was Steve Christie. Is, That's his nickname. His nickname is Haggis. So Haggis and I had a little, and we were talking about the new rule changes and all the stuff, and uh, it was great to see him. He is, he's as a little bit taken aback by the new rule changes as we are. We're wondering how the strategy is going to go. Sean McDermott had to address that today. Everybody was asking him, you know, what do you think about these new, you know, Tyler Bass, how are you going to kick off, the fair catch? Nobody knows. So uh, we were talking about, talking to Steve Christie about stuff like that, and it was great to touch base with him. You're right, Steve Christie in the house uh, talking about Tyler Bass, had nice things to say about uh, the Bills' young kicker who just signed the extension yeah. and all that. So he it's said, good to this, see. He said, this guy's got his stuff together. Yeah, he's got it together, yeah. And uh, certainly I would agree with that. Uh, this just coming in from ESPN's Adam Schefter. Just to bring everybody up to speed, head coach Sean McDermott spoke a little over an hour ago and said that Stephon Diggs is not – at mandatory minicamp, and that he is, quote, very concerned about that. Now, an hour later, Adam Schefter from ESPN is reporting that Stefan Diggs' agent, Adisa Bakari, said his client is in Buffalo, has been in Buffalo since yesterday morning, took his physical, met with the head coach and GM the past two days, and the Pro Bowl wide receiver, quote, will be there for the entirety of the minicamp. He is not on the practice field, at least when we were out there. So um, take that for what it's worth. Uh, As we said, Coach McDermott addressed this subject right at the top of his press conference. So let's let head coach Sean McDermott spell out his thoughts on this subject for you. Steph is not here. Um, Everybody else is here at the current time. How concerned are you about that? Oh, very concerned. Yeah, very concerned. I'm not going to get into and listen, I respect everyone's everyone's questions and what they want to know about our team right now. I'm just I'm not going to get into into that anymore. So we'll talk about practice. Happy to do that. Happy to answer those questions. Um, And we'll move forward from there. So that's kind of where he left it. And there was a follow up question late in the press conference, you know, that asked, you know, you're looking to 
kind of gel the offense together, you know, when your number one wide receiver isn't on the practice field, how much does that hurt making progress in that area? And he said, well, you know, if you don't, if you don't work with your teammates, it does make it more difficult. I think in the end, we're talking about three days of practice. I mean, what's the level of difference that it makes? I, I'm not going to pretend to know, um, but we know that Sean McDermott is a, is a man of principle. This manning camp is mandatory. Now, there are, there's a conflicting statement on Stephon Diggs and his level of participation here. He's not on the practice field, but according to his agent, he is here and did his, did his entry physical yesterday. So what, what's afoot here? There's no way for us to know. It seems to me, and you and I are throwing darts, we, we don't know anything more than anybody else does except that the experience being in the building would give us. Um, Sean McDermott's being a leader. He's not telling the guys who are out here working hard that it doesn't matter that Stephon Diggs is not here or in so doing so it would not matter if they weren't here either. So he's being a leader in that sense. He's not going to like downplay this because it's Steph Diggs. He expects everybody to do it and pull their weight. Steph Diggs has been reported by his day. He's in town, was here yesterday in the building. I, we didn't see him, but okay. Um, that would mean, you know, something else. Certainly uh, not on the practice field that we didn't see or we saw. So, but he's not and, practicing. And probably not an injury because I would think if there was an injury keeping him from practice, Coach McDermott would have said as much, right? Yeah. I would think so. Now, I'll say this too. I mean, let's be real. I've said it yesterday, and I'll continue to say it. I don't care. Steph Diggs is not going to make or break the season for the Bills in February because he practiced these three days. So, I'm uh, I'm, I'm I don't want to say nonchalant about this because I, I don't have any skin in that game. I, those guys know what they're doing. And I don't think Sean McDermott is really losing sleep over it. I, but he wishes he didn't have to deal with it. And he wishes Steph would come out and practice. For whatever reason Steph ain't practicing, I don't think it's a serious reason. I don't think it says anything. I don't think it's an underlying message. Maybe it is. But I'm. I, this is a non-story for me. Um, but that's me. Not, right. Not, I'm, not every, I'm not anybody who matters. <laughs> well, well I wouldn't that go that far. Right? So that's, that's where I'm at. He's in town, and he has, and it's been reported, he met and talked with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. So whatever the last that two is, days. Yeah, for, for whatever that means, it mean, to me that means as much as anything. I, I, I texted you today. I said he might be in town. And if he is, it's probably to talk to those guys, not to practice. Hmm. What do you think he's talking to them about? That's the question. Just tell him where he's at. He's I don't yeah. probably tell him I don't want to practice. I don't want to be here. I got the stuff I want to do. You know, I, whatever it is. Or here's, you know, here's what happened last year. Maybe there's maybe he's still hashing out what how the season ended. Maybe all of that stuff. Maybe he's talking to him the page about there though. Don't how you? the offense is going to change. All, I, I'm sure that if he met with Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, he probably stuck his head in the door at Ken Dorsey's office as well and his receivers coach, finding out how they're doing. Mm-hmm. What's going on with them? What their thoughts are? How they've been doing? What they're you know, you know, give them some foresight into what they're going to put in and how it's going to change. Where they see it evolving. Why Kincaid? You know, Kincaid's going to make a difference. Why these new receivers are going to make a difference. Uh, all of that, and that's it. I mean, that's basically the three days of minicamp right there. 
and I said this too yesterday, if, if Steph's out there, he's taking all the reps as a number one guy. Right. Which means somebody else is not. I get it. Um, to me, this is a bigger story for social media right. uh, than anybody else. So th- it's, you know it's going to be amplified there because people are going to be weighing in with their p- opinions and speculation as to what the issues are. Um, and there's no way for us to know from where we sit and whether or not those things come to light in the coming days. It remains to be seen. Yeah, I'd not, and and maybe he's right out on the practice field tomorrow. Like you know, right? I mean, it's it doesn't strike me. I guess because of the guys I played with, I, it doesn't strike me as odd that somebody doesn't want to practice in May or I, June. I think I have an idea who you're you talking know, about. Uh, that does not surprise me that there is a really <laughs> really great player who does not want to practice in June. Right. I'd rather sit out. But I would. And he didn't want to go out there and stand on his feet for three hours either. So, I, you know, all that stuff. So, I'm, I, yes. It I, is a, it's a thing, but it's a, yeah. until it becomes a big thing, this is not a big thing. Okay. So, leave it to one Steve Tasker to calm the waters of the fan base. Well, I don't know if I calmed anybody down because, like I said, I don't know. I mean, I haven't talked to Steph Diggs. But, man, I'm, I don't, you know, it's. It's June thirteenth. I'm. It's fun for us because it's something's happening in the building, right? We get to go yeah. out and watch these guys run around instead of just looking at each other in our office, right? <laughs> and Mur- we, you saw Murph today too, That's right? right? So we got to do that. So <laughs> we got a chance to touch base with some people. But uh, all right, we shall see. Yeah, I mean, I. It's not a thing now. It may become a thing. Maybe it is a thing. We don't know about it. I don't know that it indicates anything except it's June 13th, and, man, I don't want to go out and practice. Until it's something else, I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, let's go around the NFL in the meantime, presented by Collider Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. The DeAndre Hopkins watch continues, and he is scheduled to visit the Patriots on Wednesday and Thursday this week on the heels of his visit with the Tennessee Titans. He said that he and the Titans will continue to keep in touch. So the door is not closed there, but he did leave Tennessee without a contract signed, let alone a contract in hand. So there's that. Um, Where it goes from here, I think he's just going to take his tour, and this is shaping up to be a signing that's going to probably be after team minicamps are over, not before. Uh, as he assesses his options yeah. around the league. What do you make of the fact that nobody has, you know, stepped up and said, hey, you're our guy, let's go? Nobody's bowled him over, that's for sure, and with a contract some of it, offer. Some of it has to do with the timing. Nobody's got money, right? Uh, probably has to do with the six-game suspension last year and the two games he missed at the end of the season. Um. He's not the same guy he was four years ago when he came over from Houston. Okay. I, I think, and I do you think this is a learning process for him or a function of the league's timing and the salary caps and nobody's got money to spend? I think it's both. I think this has probably been a very humbling exercise for him. Or is in the process of being humbling. Because I think once he got released, he thought people were going to just – Pounce. Maybe. 
He might have. And that did not happen. And so now he's visiting teams to make the best decision for him, whether that's money, whether that's winning as the top priority. You know, we'll find out in due course here. He'll be somewhere, but for how much money and for how long? I think he'd be very fortunate to get anything more than a one-year contract. So, yeah, that's probably where I sit on it. And I, th- you think, I, and I think he's probably going to shop around. And I think at this point, if the money, if all the offers are like, say, for instance, I don't know, half of what he thought he was getting, or uh, you know, forty percent of what yeah. he thought he was going to get, does that change his outlook about what he wants to do and how he wants to play or who he wants to play for? Does then, if all the money is that, does he pick a contender, or you know, what 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 are his other criteria? Because if it's just about the money, that, yeah. then it's just a math problem. If it's something more than that, you know, and I wonder how could he be in this position if we're if that we're talking about? Isn't an agent going to say, "Hey, here's what you can expect"? Kind of prepare him for that. I think that's an agent's job. Yeah. So he's got to be walking into this knowing full well that he's. He's out of the nineteen point four five million range per year. There is an absence at another NFL minicamp. Patriots veteran defensive lineman Lawrence Guy, not at Patriots minicamp. And according to reports up there, including one Mike Reese of ESPN, who's a friend of the show, his absence is believed to be contract related. So we'll see where that goes. I think the long track record of the New England Patriots is holdouts don't get you anywhere. If anything, it gets you moved off the roster. Right. They don't. They don't buckle to anybody. Yeah, they exactly. Um, if I'll say this, if he's adamant about this, that he's not going to play for the Patriots this year. They will. They'll ship him out for a sixth. They don't care who it is, right? Mm-hmm. They do not play that game to me. That's a that's asking to be and, traded. And you can and you can run down the list. Oh yeah, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, like Pro Bowl level guys. Thanks for coming. Hall of Fame level guys. Yeah, that's right. I mean that you know those are Ty Laws. Yeah, those guys, in the conversation, those guys are. Really, those good. are some dudes. Really good. So yeah, I I think when you, that's why you rarely hear about it. If a guy is unhappy in New England, they ship him out some way, shape, or form. He's not there. Yeah. No matter how they get it done, those guys don't stay around. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. That's around the NFL, presented by Collider Health. Let's get right to the phones because some people have some opinions about Stefan Diggs not being on the practice field today, although his agent is claiming that he is in town, took his entry physical, spoke to GM Brandon Bean and head coach Sean McDermott uh, over the past couple of days. So we go to the phones and begin with Steve in Orchard Park. What do you got for us, Steve? Hey, guys, how's it going? Good. Uh, I, I got a different take on that, Steve. I, I'm not, like, going crazy right now, uh, but I think most Bills fans are a little upset because of the following reasons. Number one, he's under contract. Uh, Number two, he's not injured. Um, Number three, he's kind of put out these weird texts or 
messages during the offseason about things that we're supposed to read between the lines with. So that begs the question, even if he is in Buffalo, then he's not on the field. What is his problem? He's obviously unhappy about something. And, you know, to make a big deal about it now, they're in this mandatory minicamp. Maybe it's not the right thing to do. But if he doesn't practice for the next two days after today and things don't get straightened out, then what do you have here? You just said the Patriots don't put up with all that about players not showing up when they're under contract. Um, I don't think Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are, you know, going to like that either. So my point is, hey, you're a leader, you're a veteran. Next to Josh Allen, you're the most important player maybe on this team. So for him not to be there, it is concerning, and this needs to be taken care of so it's, we don't turn this into a circus. Yeah. That's I, my opinion. I, I get, go ahead. You got something else? No, I think he's – Yeah, okay, so I, I agree with you, Steve. You're right. Um, if he's unhappy, sure, let it be known. Um, and I'm not saying that the Bills are any different than the Patriots, I guess, about you know getting rid of guys who don't want to be here. I would just say this. All of us sit here, and I know we're Bills fans, so we th- see things a little bit slanted, <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. But if you're Steph Diggs and you're sitting in your quiet moments – in the offseason, you've been you were unhappy with the way the season ended. You were unhappy that when the chips were pushed to the table, your team didn't respond offensively or defensively. It's a bad game. It's a bad Cincinnati game, and you got you're kind of stewing about that, and you're wondering. And it's not the first time you've been disappointed at that point of the season. You know the 13 second game, all of that stuff happened, and you're just bitter about the way two last couple of seasons have ended, and you're sitting there unhappy. What are your options? You really think Steph – I think Steph Diggs wants to win as badly as anybody else. Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, I think Steph Diggs is one of those guys. And when he sits down in the dark of his room at night and looks at the ceiling is thinking about his options, his best option without any doubt lie with the Buffalo Bills. The grass hill, there's no way you're going to convince him that the grass is greener in another place. That there's a, a better quarterback, a better culture, a better roster, a better chance to win than the one he has here. They've, they've restructured his contract a couple of times. Financially, they've taken yeah, care of Yeah, to bring it up to the market value. They have, they have done everything they can. He is target A1 for a quarterback that is 1A. So, when he's, when he's unhappy, yeah, that's great. And we all understand because everybody was disappointed and, and, and uh, discouraged maybe even by the way the season ended last year. But what are his options going forward? What's he want ha- to happen? What could possibly be his mode of transportation? to a better life other than where he's at right now. I don't think there is one. This is the team he was made for, man, and I think he realizes it. Now, certainly, the it's hard to live. Believe me, I, was, I, mean, I know as well as anybody how tough it is to live with a disappointing loss to a se- into a season. I lived through that too. So, And that may be where he's still at. 
But when push comes to shove, and no matter what this absence or his cryptic tweets have to say about it, when push comes to shove, I don't think there's any way Steph Diggs is a person who is going to come to any other conclusion other than what I just said. He was made for this this team, this roster, this quarterback, this town, and this is a team that's going to win a ton of games this year. And they're going to have something to say about who wins it all, if not them. So there's no guarantees if you go to any other team, you're further down the hill than the Buffalo Bills are, in my opinion. And I think he knows that. But that doesn't mean he has to be happy about how things went at the end of the season, all that stuff. So it's all in there. Maybe he's still trying to cope with what happened at the end of that last season because Brownie and I have said after DeMar went down, so did the season. And that's hard to live with. And you only get so many kicks at the can. So all of this stuff is being rolled around in Steph's mind and in his personality and in his career arc and where he's at. So um, I'm just – 100% 100% confident that when push comes to shove, Steph Diggs is going to be pushing in the exact same direction that everybody else is pushing. Let's get back to the phones, and we go to Rick in Las Vegas. What do you got for us, Rick? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. i got a million thoughts about this big thing. I hope I can formulate my words as well as you guys do. But um, that's a lot about what – Steve's saying, I totally agree. You're probably right. He doesn't think there's a better situation out there. And you keep talking about how Diggs views this, and that's the problem, is that Diggs is viewing this how Diggs wants to view it. Diggs is putting Diggs first, and Diggs isn't putting the team first. And if your star quarterback or any other player, and this is why the head coach says it is concerning, because it is not acceptable. And you are showing your bias a little bit, just like I would expect any other player on that team. They're not going to rip him. And just like you don't want to rip him right now. But at the end of the day, anyone from another team, a fan base, you want to say it's because we're biased Bills fans. Okay. But if my family member or my workplace employee showed that they were selfish, you don't just forget that. And if they were to show it multiple times, like he has storming out at the end of the game, not talking to anybody, you know, obviously that to say that that doesn't rub somebody wrong on his own team, we won't know. Cause like I said, they won't rip him publicly, but we're all human beings and we can all understand that we would be bothered by that. So to say that at come playoff time, a game of inches that people and his teammates just might not remember that, that might not have any effect at all that, you know, that it won't, I don't know about that because there's a difference between somebody who is on the team who you know will, do, will, will, will never put themselves first and someone you know who has put themselves first. So I don't think you should keep watering it down. I understand you're a former player, so that's probably where that comes from a little bit. But let's not act – maybe this is nothing and you're right. But let's not act like this, does, this could have no effect or this doesn't have any effect because it does. And uh, I think you're, you're firing, the, firing the fans up. But thank you guys so much for taking my call. And um, you guys are great, and, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Right. That's Thanks, a good Rick. call. That's a good call, point. Rick. It's a really good call. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because you said it exactly the way it is. You're right. He, Steph, because I played, I played with a bunch of selfish guys off and on during my career as well. 
Um, every NFL team has guys like that. You got to live with that if you're in a in a roster as big as an NFL roster. You're going to have guys, even guys you've never heard of, they're going to think they're a little better than they are, or it's about them, or or they're bitter because it's not about them. Uh, Steph Diggs certainly is in a place where most of us have never been. I mean, we've never been the A1 receiver on a top contender in the NFL. I'll say this about my experience, and you're right, I'm, I'm, I speak from my own experience of having played with guys like that, hopefully never having been one of those guys. I mean, I never want to be a selfish guy, but you're right. Every roster has guys like that on it, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a couple who don't have anybody like there's that. There's no perfect roster in the NFL. Right. It's almost impossible. Here's the difference that fans can't get, and, and they shouldn't because they're not in the room. They, 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 they like Steph. Everybody's, they're a fan of Steph. They love Steph. He's a great set. The guys in the locker room on the team and out there on the field, and it, maybe the young guys here, the new guys, they don't know Steph. They haven't met him maybe even, right? But the guys who played with Steph for the last year, last two years, last three years, last four years, they love him no matter what because it is like a family. It's like, and, and Rick, you said it, like when you got family members who are selfish or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're still in your family. You learn to work with what you got with them. You learn to understand them. And even if they are selfish, you learn to understand their selfishness and what it's going to take for us as a group to use his selfishness or work with his selfishness enough to win. You can say what you want. about, And, and none of these guys are perfect. They're all human beings. They all have problems. They all have stuff that they're not good at, stuff that they're really good at, stuff that's a problem in the locker room, stuff that's great in the locker room. That's human nature. So this stuff with Steph Diggs, and Rick, you said it right, you know, it, it seems like he's being selfish because he didn't want to come in and practice. He doesn't like, didn't like that or, or whatever. It's about him. Most of the guys in the locker room who know and love him don't care. They really don't because part of what his selfishness does is makes him a great player. And they want him to be as great as he can be. And the greater he is, maybe the more selfish he becomes. Nobody cares because we're going to help us, he's going to help us win games. And if that means that once in a while he's going to yell at Josh on the sideline, no matter what he yelled at him. Or spout off. Or spout off or do stuff on social media. Guys are like, eh, that's Steph. Steph being Steph. Yeah. They I, really do love him far beyond being a fan who just likes the way he plays. He does make a good point from the standpoint of there is a coaching culture here yeah. that talks about daily self-improvement, you know, 1%, be 1% better the next day than you were today and all of that stuff, and you have to earn it. And this kind of stuff, minor though it may be, does chip away at that. Now, do I think it's going to dramatically impact the culture in this locker room? No. It's, it's, very, it's on very firm ground. It has a strong foundation and strong men to uphold it. But I think that's part of the reason why Coach McDermott says very concerned. Yeah. Because it chips away at, at some of that culture that's been cultivated here and made as strong as it's been. And that's what makes this team mentally tough, and that's what keeps this team together. So I think, yeah. I think that's the concern. I think Sean McDermott was right to say, hey, no, I'm not okay with this. I'm concerned about it. He's got to be that. He has to be because that's his job as head coach. Um, he's not going to – because by him saying, hey, that's just Steph being Steph, that's him saying, well, Steph can do what he wants and, be, and I'm okay with it, but you can't do that. You know, I expect you – to 
Sean McDermott's got to be strong in the face of this, and he's going to, and he'll be on. And you, you, we knew, and I know he's not going to pull any punches with Steph. Right. He'll say, "Listen, I want you to be here, and I don't want you, you know, I don't have to deal with this." Uh, whatever he says to him, it's going to be like this is not okay, and he's going to continue with that message throughout this mini camp and into the regular season, and because and it'll be not just Steph; it'll be anybody else who pulls a selfish stunt. If you, if indeed you're saying this is selfish and it's me. Whatever it is, Sean is going to nip it in the bud because that's the culture he's promoting. And by not doing that, it's undermined, just like you said. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'll tell you, the players you know, are okay with it. Sean McDermott can't be, and neither can Brandon. Yeah. You know, they, they've got to be like above this. They Listen, hey, you can, we need you here. This is important. Let's go. Because they've got to make sure everybody knows they believe it's important in June 13th yeah. for all of you guys to be here. Whether it is or not is beside the point. They need you to be all in. So Sean McDermott will never let this go. I mean, that guy's a bulldog. Right. We have to take a break here, but if you're holding at 803-0550 or 1-888-550-2550, stay where you are because we've got more of your phone calls coming up when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Kalina Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Pro Football Talk has now put out a report concerning Stephon Diggs. Uh, they reached out to the team, and they did confirm that Stephon Diggs was present on Monday here. He was present this morning, but he left before the start of practice. No reason given as to why, but it's all but been confirmed by the team through Pro Football Talk. Um, I wonder... Like, is there a time limit that you have to, like, do you have to practice not to get fined? Or do you have to just have to be on the premises? Or, you know, because you can hold in, come in, stand around, not do anything. I know I need to know these things as a former player. Yeah, I, never, I, I think you got to be. I never had the guts to do it. I think you got to be on the practice field. But because he's here, maybe the team says, well, you, you know, whatever. But 16 grand. Yeah. Oh, it's. <laughs> I'm in tomorrow. It's I'm not sneezing bad. at that. Tomorrow, tomorrow is double, <clears throat> and then the day after that, it's almost fifty. It's yeah, it's almost fifty grand. So it's it's just shy of a hundo. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones though. See what you have to think. We go to Marie in Amherst next. What do you got for us, Marie? Hey guys. <clears throat> so I don't think Diggs has faith in Dorsey or his play calling, but the Bills organization, like you said, this is a culture they they you know, worked hard to rebuild. And they come too far to let one man who's emotional capsize this ship. You know, I understand trading him is not an option, but they really need to explain to him that if you blow up our run, we're going to blow up your plan. Because no disrespect to these other guys, but Gabe Davis is pretty much careless price. I mean, he need a formidable wide receiver at number one to get off. And if Steph do somehow happen to leave and Knox and Kincaid, they're going to have to be Jordan and Pippen. And Josh is going to have to bring out a Mamba mentality because it's only pretty much three teams, Carolina, Chicago, and Arizona, with cap space and draft picks that we could pretty much work with, you know, without giving him what he wants. I know he always said he wanted to play with his brother, but 
you know, something has got to give. You know, you work too hard, 17 years of a drought, of bad GM, and, you know, it was just, it was awful. So we can't let this <clears throat> go back. You know, if it don't work out with Steph, we can't afford another receiver. It's going to have to be Kincaid and Knox team. They're going to have to get us here with Damian Harris and James Cook and our defense. But, I mean, we can't keep letting one man who's so emotional. I know that, you know, things that happened in Cincinnati last year, he wanted to keep playing. The team reacted the right way. They stopped the game. I'm sure he felt like an outcast after that. You know, he going through a lot of emotions. And just, <clears throat> you know, when when DeMar woke up to say, did we win? I'm sure that helped him get a little bit of that confidence back. Like, okay, maybe I wasn't, you know, wrong in a sense. But it, it's just, I don't know. He, he's, yeah. we got to figure it out. Yeah, got it, Marie. Thanks very much. I mean, I'll I'll say this. I don't, none of us know what is afoot here. I mean, we're all just guessing. As Steve said earlier, we're throwing darts. We can all speculate all we want. And the most important thing is that they get it figured out, whatever it is. Um, unhappy with Dorsey in the offense, I find that hard to believe. I mean, he's the highest targeted player on the team by a wide margin. I mean, he's the number one option in the offense. I don't know how he would be unhappy. I know he was unhappy at the end of the Cincinnati game because they're on that drive at the end of the game. It's their only chance to climb back into the game because there's about four minutes left. And it's a fourth down play, and he's not targeted in a one-on-one -on -one situation. And that was that's when he spouted off on the sidelines on the turnover on downs. And everybody's been speculating since then as to what it means. So this is only going to amplify that. But what it's truly about, none of us really know. I mean, we could keep speculating, but the only thing we should hope for is that it gets ironed out, whatever it is. Yeah, I would be shocked if Steph Diggs had any kind of heated words for anybody over the last two days. Yeah. I, I think we're all projecting our impatience and our lack of understanding onto Steph Diggs and the Bills and saying they're like, well, they're going to have to just move on with it. You know, we're just going to move on. We don't, you know, that guy, we don't need the guy who doesn't want to be – whoa, whoa, whoa. It's all right. Just – Steph Diggs is not throwing a – and until I see it and hear it, I don't even – I don't think he's throwing a fit over what happened. I certainly disappointed. All those guys are. Uh, I don't think this is a spot where you have to worry about Steph Diggs doing his best to sabotage the Bills' opportunity or doing, you know, all of a sudden just changing who he has been over the last four years. Steph Diggs is the guy that we've all grown to really love and respect over his time in Buffalo. I don't think that's changed because of a disappointing end to a season. That's basically where I stand. I don't yeah. let's not don't project our disdain or disgust or our own impatient emotions onto this situation where we think the Bills are arguing with Steph and Steph's arguing with the Bills and there's some sort of animosity. He wants a change. He wants the yeah. Well, just calm down. I don't think that's what's happening. It, it may. I mean, I could be. I might be out to lunch. I just think Steph is like, man. I am just. I. How about you know. I don't know what he's at, where he's at, but I know this. I didn't want to practice in June either. He's in town. It's not like he didn't want to be around. But, man, oh, man, I, I'm, I'm just not to the point where I'm going to 
make this into something that it's not. I, let's try not to in, to impose our own emotions and our own content, you know, contention or our own tension into the relationship between Steph and the Bills because I don't know that it's there. I think Steph, this is something Steph's trying to cope with about you know the way the season ended or maybe the way his uh, maybe the way his off season's gone. Maybe he's got some stuff that we don't even know about that's bothering him. I mean, this is all on the table. We don't know. Yeah. So until we find out. I would caution you just to say, hey, okay, let's just see what he just let's see just where it goes him. from here. When we get a chance to talk to him in the media, we'll find out. To Bill in Old Forge next. What do you got for us, Bill? Hey, man, I know we don't know exactly what happened, but man, it just sounds like a whole bunch of excuses is being made for this guy since the season ended. I'm over him, man. Like, whatever. I'm not surprised this happened. He pushed his way out of Minnesota. When we signed him, that was the thing that concerned me from the get-go. I was like, eh, I don't like the guys like that. Beckham's done it. T.O.'s done it. Antonio Brown's done it. You could be a great receiver, but you could still try to push your way off a team if it doesn't go the way you exactly like it after three years. And he did that in Minnesota. Nobody should be surprised by this because he did that in Minnesota. And they had a pretty decent team when he was there. He was getting the ball. Adam Thielen was getting the ball, too. But, I mean – I just don't like my star receivers acting like this. And the whole thing of it's just disrespectful to the team. Um, whether they care or not, I don't know. But it's still disrespectful to the team. It's disrespectful to McDermott. This team, McDermott has brought us from the, the, the basement, man, up to where we're in the playoffs every year. And, and like, I don't want to see one guy spoiling it. And just the way he's acting now, like, he's had plenty of time to recover from that loss. You know, two teams go to the Super Bowl. It's not easy to get there. Who else would you rather be playing with? Maybe Mahomes? Maybe Burrow? Who else? I mean, Allen's great, man. Like, you, you can't be playing with Allen. And it's just, he's got his contract. He's got his money. It's just, I don't like the optics of it. If they, I've been saying from the get-go, if they don't go to the Super Bowl this year, he is definitely pushing his way out of Buffalo. I know people say he can't get out of here. He'll make it so bad, he will push his way out. I guarantee it. That's my opinion. Well, here's right, the thing, thanks, Bill. Bill, I, and, and I get you're, you're angry. Um, okay. Here's the thing. Um, if Steph digs, and, and you know the culture here as well as I do, it sounds like, if he wanted to leave, he'd already be gone. They, they, the Bills wouldn't force him to put up this kind of drama or whatever. This would have happened – Way back. I, I don't think there's – I haven't seen any evidence at all that Steph Diggs wants off this team. Now, he may say, hey, I want you to – I want you to – I want you to hire, hire my brother. You know, I may want to play with my brother. But, but I think, you know, this is a guy who – and I'm surprised by a lot of people who have, you know, you know either in their mind or in their heart bailed on – what he has brought to this team already. Like, they're already, like, they're so mad at him because he didn't show up to a mandatory minicamp in June that they're ready to kick him to the curb. I, I'm a little surprised by that. I'm a little surprised by yeah, that. Moving is not an option. At this point, he ain't in the, moving. He ain't going anywhere. They can't. Unless they can't. He, right. He's got a dead cap hit of $13 million this year. They can't incur that right now without lopping eight guys off the roster. To, right. to not to have a guy not play for you, and his dead cap hit in twenty four is thirty one million. It, he's not movable. Yeah. End of story. Right now. Right. So he's I'm, just not. We're past June first. It doesn't work. Uh, maybe he does have a beef of some sort, some way, shape, or form, or maybe he just has quite whatever it is. This club ain't gonna shy away from telling him how it's gonna be. Yeah. 
Let's uh, let's go back to the phone, see what Carol in Buffalo has to say. What do you got for us, Carol? Yeah, thanks. You know, what I want to say is let's realize that, you know, the Bills have a young team. The players are relatively young. And what happened to DeMar was very traumatic. It's traumatic to anyone. And I certainly hope that they were receiving some type of support therapy and yep, have learned were. some coping mechanisms. Um, but, you know, if we could find any beauty out of that whole situation, they got their front back and not everybody does. As far as DeMar goes, unless it's a family emergency, a medical situation, he really needs to be at that practice. I don't know if it's, it's because the Bills were looking at DHOP or he wants a different type of contract. That's his business. But, you know, this may be the proper and perfect opportunity and situation if he's not showing up to practice to have these conversations, to get him there, to, to uh, resolve whatever may be festering. In my opinion, he should have been there at the voluntary practice. If we want a Super Bowl team and to be contenders, he needs to assume that leadership role and have those characteristics to work with the new recruits, the new draft individuals, to build a very strong and cohesive offense. Um, you know, attitudes now, attitudes layered, layered do not fly, and those need to be addressed and rectified. You know, you have so many support situations, so many fans, and we all need to be cohesive, and it starts with the players. You know, they're professionals, and are you looking at it as a profession or are you looking at it as a job? And if you want to be a Super Bowl contender, then get there and act like a leader that you're supposed to be. So right. thank you very much. Thank, thanks, Carol. Mm -hmm. Well said. Um, I don't think there's any debate that Stefan Diggs respects his craft. I would say it borders on obsession for him. I mean, he sweats the details. Uh, when he's on his own and away from this facility uh, every day. That's how he's become the dominant player that he is as the you know wide receiver one here in Buffalo. So you want to argue leadership? Okay, I'll listen to that because um, leaders are put in those positions because they do things the right way all the time. And this kind of flies in the face of that. And I remember a few years ago, LaShawn McCoy was named a captain, and then he missed a bus to a road game against the Patriots. He got benched in the first half of the game. Didn't start. Um, now, he was closer to the end of his career. Wasn't on the team next year. Just putting it out there. Like, right, leadership but, roles here. That's an interesting, count. Yeah, there's an interesting tweet uh, from a friend of the show, Warren Sharp. I say a friend of the show. Um, I think he's been a guest once. Um, he tweeted this out, some stuff about Stephon Diggs and, and how it happened. In 2020, Buffalo traded a first, fourth, fifth, and sixth to get him. They paid him as the sixth most expensive wide receiver in the NFL. And last year, they signed him to an even larger $96 million deal. From 20 to 23, the Bills paid him $78 million, almost $79 million in cash. That's the third most for any wide receiver in the National Football League. And this spring, they paid him over $16 million in bonus money. Now, he still has the fifth largest wide receiver contract in the National Football League in total value and in average value. So, and you can say, wow, what an ungrateful stiff. He's not even here at, at minicamp and that, uh, all this stuff. And let me just say, it is not lost on Stephon Diggs how well it has gone for him here in Buffalo. But I th I'll say this. It seems to me... Steph has some things he wants to talk about with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean 
and he wants some assurances that stuff that he thinks needs to be done to put them over this proverbial hump that everybody talks about, he wants to hear him reassure him that they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and for a great player who has some sway of that kind of financial sway that you get in the National Football League when you have a contract like that, this is exactly how you get your voice heard. You have a sit-down with the head coach and the GM, and you put it out there publicly, and they and they're going to sit down and have a conversation with you. And we've already been reported that they've had those conversations over the last couple of days. But that's how that's how it's done in pro sports for great players who make a ton of money, who want to see have some reassurances that they're not the only one out there risking their legs getting busted. So that, you know, and the guys who are calling the shots in the front office and in the coaching staff are on board as much as he's forced to be on the board, on, on board with it, out there playing. So that's how it works. So, yeah, if he has some stuff he wants to air out and talk about, this is how it's done. And how serious that stuff is, I don't know. But I don't have a – I've seen it too many times – to think this means Steph Diggs hates Buffalo, wants to be off the team. <laughs> I don't think that's, a, that's the case at all because there's too much good here. It's gone too well for him here in Buffalo, and it's going to keep going well for him here in Buffalo on the field when the games start. So this is about the conversations that have taken place over the last couple of days, in my opinion, until I hear different. And we may. I'm, I'm not saying I know everything, and I know we've had some callers in here who's had some really good thoughts on it, but we've also – Got to, I would caution again, yeah, keep your emotions out of it because you don't know how these people feel about each other. And I think Brownie and I have a, at least a fair idea that there's a lot of affection there. Hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. But uh, Steph, it has gone really well here in, for Steph in Buffalo. And because of Steph, it's gone really well here in Buffalo for everybody else too. So – it's both sides of that coin, I think, all, and everybody realizes it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Let's take a break here, but when we come back, Mark in West Seneca, Dave and Clarence will lead us off. We'll get to the others holding at 803-0550 as well, as we have more of your phone calls coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you talking about Stephon Diggs. The Bills have confirmed to media members that are out here at practice that uh, Stephon Diggs was, in fact, here at the facility yesterday and today but left before practice. So that's kind of where it stands right now. Back to the phones we go and to Mark in West Seneca. What do you got for us, Mark? Hey, guys. Uh, All I can say is I am frustrated uh, and I hate these kind of ridiculous conversations. Um, 99% of every conversation that goes on about Steph Diggs right now is based on assumptions, no facts. And I'm hearing fans using words like cancer, selfish. Uh, he's alienated from the locker room because he wanted to play in the Cincy game yet and, and things of this nature. Uh, he's working his way out of Buffalo uh, let's revisit what the facts are about what Steph Diggs did and what he's done. He was very upset and disappointed in the 13-second game, kept his mouth shut. 
He was very angry and upset about the Cincinnati game. Oh, by the way, as the rest of us were, losing a playoff game at home in front of your own fans the way we did, uh, totally acceptable. He went on through the summer. He expressed someday he'd like to play with his brother. Uh, that's unusual. And he got cryptic messages on social media, which is the worst place to ever go for any information or facts. It's all it's littered with just ridiculous opinions. And and now he comes into Buffalo, and I did exactly I, my thought went right to where Steve talked about when he said he came into Buffalo, he took his physical, and he met with the brain trust of the team. And to me, that said, and I admit I'm prejudiced here, and I'm making an assumption, he has problems with the way the offense, and I've expressed this in the past, evolved last year. It went from the top of the hill down that hill all season to the end of the Cincinnati game for various reasons, okay? And did he meet with Bean, McDermott, and Dorsey, and maybe even Josh Allen? Again, now I'm making assumptions on the positive side because he has concerns and he does not like the way the the offense evolved. You could say he he had the most targets. But there were times in games, critical times in games, where his number wasn't called, and he's the number one guy on that team where the ball should go in critical moments. It'd be like in critical moments not going to Kelsey for Mahomes when everybody in the whole building, in the stands, knows that's where they're going, and then they don't throw the ball there. They do it. Every great team does it. Every team that has a great number one receiver, they don't care that other teams know where the ball is going. And Steph can make that argument. There were games where he was not targeted in a whole half of a game, and he's your number one guy? Come on, people. Was he selfish when Gabe Davis received four touchdown passes on national TV and did nothing more than applaud and yell and scream for the guy and was happy for him? Did he, has he ever complained about how the offense has run during the season when he has gripes? And I'm just a fan who's watching from the surface. How many things go on behind the scenes that he probably could gripe about, but he keeps internal and keeps his mouth shut? Okay? He is a great player. He has a huge desire to win. And as far as I'm concerned, you line me up 53 guys that has his work ethic, and his desire to win, and we will have a championship. And now all he's doing in my eyes, and I'm assuming he's pulling everybody along and saying, you know what, guys, there's too much talent here. There's too much work we put into it. We've created something great, but we need to finish the job. So follow me and make sure everybody knows I'm not happy and we've got to take another step higher. That's my opinion. Thanks for letting me go on like I did, guys. All right, thanks, Mark. Right, Mark. I mean, I, I'm going to say that's all well and good if that's his approach, but I don't know how you how you square that and say the best way of demonstrating that is by not going to minicamp. Like, if you're all in it together, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I know where you're coming from, Mark, and I respect it, and there's probably some validity to some of what you're assuming, as dangerous as that might be, but – if you're all in it together, be together. I don't. I don't know. That's that's where I come down on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I, I mean, we just talked to Micah Hyde last last week, week before that, addressing the media, and he's been here for the duration, longer than Steph, and yeah, he's we, had he's had his share of disappointments here in this uniform also, and he said we all got to ramp it up, 
and he's here with the rest of his teammates ramping it up. Like yeah. It's not like the other guys on the roster don't know that they got to push a little bit harder to get over the hump. They know that, and, and I don't think Steph feels he needs to tell them that because he knows these guys well enough to know what they're made of, just like they know what he's made of. So yeah. I, I really don't think that's what's – going on here. yeah and if he was in uh, and you know too that if he was in the building getting his physical and all that he's talked with the players I mean you know they you don't show up in a small waiting room and you know he's yeah. in the log room you go in for your turn of the in the physical and stuff so I'm sure that all these guys have had conversations about it um, it would be and of course the more we know the more we know and the more we don't have to speculate um, I don't think at any point Steph Diggs has alienated himself from the Bills locker room that is I don't think that is a possibility um, at all so that that having said that you know we'll see but uh, yeah I, and it's right I Mark you're right I he you, I know you're frustrated with these conversations all of us are kind of frustrated with it because there's so much we don't know and until we do um we can work ourselves into a frenzy uh, over yeah. perhaps nothing. Get tied into knots about this. Yeah. we got to take a break, but we do want to hear more from you, so we'll get to your phone calls when we return. Uh, here on One Bills Live for hour number two, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are. One Bills Live, hour number two on a Tuesday, mandatory minicamp Tuesday. Players still out on the practice field. Should be wrapping up soon. We'll get post-practice sound out to you as they address the media coming off the practice field. But we want to get back to the phones at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. And to a man who's been waiting patiently, Dave and Clarence, we go. What do you got for us, Dave? Hey, guys, uh, great question today. First of all, let me say I'm a, a Steph Diggs fan and obviously a Buffalo Bills fan. And, Steve, many of your suppositions I agree with. But here's where I diverge. Uh, I really believe both sides are wrong from the fans' point of view, and here's why. We've had six months from the end of the Cincinnati game in January until June to resolve whatever problem exists. And I don't pretend to know what they are. But Steph was uh, uh, tweeting out on social media some problem um, areas that I think needed to be addressed. And uh, for the team not to pay attention to them, but wait until June to try and figure out this problem, I think is wrong. Now, listen, we have been as a team fan base on an emotional high, ele elevating upward, ever upward, because from the draft and the um, um, free agency acquisition that uh, being big baller shot caller has made, it, every with one of them, we've gone higher and higher. 
And all of a sudden, in June, almost at the start of the season, uh, we run into a wall, bam, and we're knocked on our behinds. Now, if this situation is not resolved by tomorrow, by both Diggs and the team, because McDermott has said he's concerned, then by tomorrow, I think we really got a problem here. And so my, my, my solution is sit down today, resolve it, and move on. If it goes into the mouth, look out. Let me hear your uh, 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 points, guys. All right, Thank thanks, you. Dave. Dave, I, I, Dave and Claire, it's a good call, and I would agree. If they can't resolve this or at least put his mind at ease that it's they're trying to resolve it or both parties are saying, yeah, okay, we got you, um, I agree. It doesn't take 20 conversations, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great way to, to look at it. If this, if this lingers and he misses more than one day or – yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't, I'm not saying there's a deadline. Like they're saying, listen, if it's not resolved by tomorrow, then it's blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, but I would agree with you. This should not be some ongoing relationship problem that they're going to have to talk about for weeks and weeks and finally get Steph to a point where he feels like he can come in and practice. I would agree with you. I think Steph had some things to say, probably said them. Um, McDermott and Bean probably answered him. So did Josh. So did Ken Dorsey. Anybody who he talked to probably had a had a conversation with him. I know that uh, there's no way he came in here and went through the physical process and didn't talk to all the players, meet all those guys. So all those conversations had to take place. So how long does it take to resolve a problem of whatever problem there is, which we have no idea about what it, what it is? Um, yeah. I, I would agree with you, and that's a good way to look at it, Dave. I'm, yeah. How long is going to? Is there a resolution to be had? If that's when you really got a problem, if there is just absolutely no way, then it's something different than any of us have realized. And I, I have a hard time getting my mind around that because goodness gracious, they, they're a wrecking crew, and I don't know who wants to, who would want to jump off this boat right now. To the phones and to Michael in Williamsville. Uh, let's punch him up. Hold on. What do you got for us, Michael? Yeah, so I'm on Steph's side for all this. You know, after watching the Cincinnati game, him and Milano really seemed like the only people who cared and were giving it 100% the whole game. Josh's head, he was elsewhere, worried about that girl or Brit or whatever's going on there. And look, I know he's being a diva about all this, but he's been a great teammate for three years. And at some point, you got the right to be upset about losing every year. And I don't know, McDermott and everyone just seems to do the trust the process, and it doesn't really seem like they care and just kind of, oh, we'll get better next year and everything like that. But he's our best offensive player, and him and Dorsey, or I'm sorry, Dorsey can't even get the ball, get him the ball in like crucial moments. And just, I don't know, it's not really the best way to go about this for Diggs, but he's making headlines, and it's kind of working. I think this is what he wants. So, yeah, I'm on his side for all this. All right, fair yeah, enough. I get I, it. I, I, you're right. I'm going dis- nah, to disagree I, about, with some of it. Yeah, some of it. I'll say this. You're right about this. This is a good way to get your voice heard. No question. I mean, they got to They gotta sit down with you if you're going to throw a fit like this publicly. I, I would be shocked that this is the best way to handle it if you're Steph. And, you know, he hasn't been doing this. He hasn't been doing this leadership captain thing for that long. Um, 
and I'm kind of with you, this is not the best way to handle it, but if it's the way that he handles it and it fits in with his personality in that locker room and they kind of understand where he's coming from and he's doing it, I think I think the players kind of get it. I'm kind of with you on that, but we'll see. The only distraction in the Bengals game was DeMar Hamlin's situation. And you want to you wanna chalk it up to other things, I'd say you're off the mark just because we talked to the players after games, before games, leading up to games. This team was messed up mentally from that situation. It was traumatic. And playing the same team three weeks later that the incident happened against, emotional fumes. There was nothing left in the tank for them to give. There were people working hard, doing their best, but with the with the emotional and physical constitution you have to come to every game with in this league where the margins are razor thin in a playoff game, that's the distraction there. So don't insinuate anything else. It's an insult to the players. Yeah. Um, uh, that's one. Yeah. Second thing is – Ken Dorsey, I'll bet dollars to donuts, dials up Stefan Diggs as his number one option 98% of the time. He doesn't decide where the ball goes. What happens on the field and Josh Allen's decision-making are the major factors in that equation. And so Josh makes the best decision he can on every single play, and that guy cares about one thing, winning. And sometimes it might leave the number one receiver unhappy based on the decision he makes. And I'm not here to say every decision that Josh makes is the right decision. But you can't pin it on Dorsey because you don't know what he's drawing up on each and every play and what he's calling. And, as I said, he's not deciding how the play unfolds and how 11 men are executing against 11 other men and then the decision being made by the guy pulling the trigger. So I think, yeah. you, I think you went a little too far off the deep end on the assumptions you were making. And I realize we're all making those right now based on the subject matter we're trying to figure out here. But just don't go too far. Yeah, I'm, I'm right on board with Brownie. It's the last guy who would have complained how that game turned out uh, would be Steph Diggs if Gabe Davis was the number one target and they made the play. The, were, the plays that we're talking about. Steph Diggs is the last guy that's going to complain about not getting the ball when the play's successful. Uh, it's human nature to be upset when you didn't get a chance to help, and, it, and we failed, right? And while in, on a certain play I'm talking about, certainly Steph helped in every game, and he was a vital contributor, and he's going to do that. But on a play, on a fourth and fourth and an all-or-nothing play, and and the ball doesn't come your way and it doesn't work, you think, man, just give me a chance to do that. And that's, that's a player's mentality, a great player in particular. That's their mentality. They want the ball in moments like that. That's why he's a great player. So moments like that, this isn't the last one you're going to have. I mean, you're not going to win all these games, and there's going to be moments when Steph wants the ball and wants to help, and it, the ball goes somewhere else. It's going to happen. That's football. But I think when push comes to shove and you realize how good this – team and this roster are and all of that going forward um you know if you ought to say, say something say something but that doesn't mean you're ready to jump ship and burn the thing to the ground yeah i don't think anybody's in that spot let's go to jerry in buffalo next what do you got for us jerry i got a question for you and steve when was the last time we had a running game 
that our defensive coordinators had the game plan for. Well, they were number one in rushing in 2015 and 2016 with LaShawn McCoy. Okay, well, what, what don't you think that created it? We've always had a teeter-totter where we had LaShawn McCoy, we had Josh, we had no receivers. We had we lose a legitimate running back, and we never replace him. We get the receivers, and I think that what it has done, it has, it has made us one-dimensional. If you look at every season during the playoffs, teams have taken – defensive backs and put them all in the backfield because they know we can't run the ball. Right. So what it does is it it, it, it deletes uh, our opportunity to be multidimensional because we have not had a class A running back since. Right. And and I respect what you're saying, Jerry. I do. But are you not encouraged by what they've done this offseason to fix that? I mean, you're talking about Damian Harris, who was a 15-touchdown back two years ago, and okay, they have three new, three new offensive guards in the form of Connor McGovern, David Edwards, both of whom are multi-year starters, and a second-round draft choice in Osiris Torrance to fortify the middle of the line to run more effectively between the tackles. I'm not Look, the proof will be in the pudding. I'll be the first to admit it. Okay, that's true. That's true. But you're talking about a running back that if he gets injured, we have a small back and we're right back to where we started at. Well, you also have Latavius Murray. You also have Latavius Murray well, on the roster. I think I think you got some other talent out there that we need to address, or we're going to be back in the same situation this year where we're going to be dropping our heads because we're one di- one dimensional, and they're going to drop corners back in the backfield and make it difficult for Josh to, to, to be able to do Well, yeah, that. but that's the other reason Jerry, why yeah. Dalton Kincaid is here, Jerry, and I appreciate the call, but Dalton Kincaid is here to work the middle of the field to pull those defensive backs out of that kind of a look. So I think the Bills have taken major steps to diversify their offense. Nobody's talking about it because it's not sexy and splashy and giant names. You know, they didn't acquire Derrick Henry as a running back, but they got a 24-year-old in Damian Harris who was a 15-touchdown back and, nine, and 13 of his 20 career touchdowns have come from the five-yard line in because the guy's a short-yardage player that can move the pile but can also rip off a 64-yard touchdown like he did against the Bills in the windswept game two years ago. So they've taken steps to improve what they perceived and what you clearly perceived as deficiencies in their offense, and now we'll just have to see if they work out. If they do, great. They're a multidimensional offense. If they don't, then you're right, Jerry. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I get it, but I'm just not there. I'm not, I'm not where Jerry is at all. Um, run it back like you did last year. and Just do what you did and do it better. Don't drop the ball and don't turn it over. If you do that, nobody can touch you. Nobody can touch you. You've, you've upgraded your offensive line. You've upgraded your receivers. You've upgraded your tight end position. If you just don't drop the ball and don't turn it over, nobody in the NFL is going to be able to touch you. And there was nothing wrong with your offense last year. Nothing. You were number two in scoring. And, yeah, it looked like a heavy lift. This just in. It's a hard league to win in. This offense was an absolute wrecking crew. Don't complain. Certainly you can hone it and dial it in and evolve. And there's moments, there's moments in the season, like fourth and six, and it didn't come through, and Steph's mad he didn't get the ball. Okay, there's a moment. And, there's in, and it comes in a game where you got to win. 
Listen, they make that fourth and six, they're still not winning that game. This is a team that lost three, three games by three plays. Three games by three plays, period. They're a wrecking crew offensively. And they're going to be another wrecking crew this year. They're good. And you can say, oh, they didn't run the ball. Shut up. They ran the ball fine. Nobody. They were seventh in rushing. They They were killing people. They don't have to apologize for the way they played offense. They don't have to apologize for their philosophy. They don't have to apologize for teams doing absolutely everything they could possibly do, putting nine DBs on the field, all of that stuff you're talking about because they didn't fear our running. They, teams were like crazy to try and stop this offense, and, and they couldn't. And I'm just going to say one more thing. James Cook's going to look pretty damn good this year. I'm just going to let, let me you tell know, you something. All that these guys were ready to roll. Teams were crazy to stop this offense, and they couldn't. The only the only thing that stopped this offense was this offense. They dropped the ball or turn it over in the red zone. Second in the league in turnovers. They they second in the league in turnovers and, and second, second in the league, league in drops. drops. That's it, folks. All you got to do, and and I and I remember Tony Dungy said this a year or two before they won their Super Bowl. And by the way. Peyton Manning was eight years into his career before he won his first Super Bowl, or it was six years. Eight years. It was deep into his career before they eight got years. one. It was eight years, right? It was eight years. Oh, six, and he yeah. came in in 98. They were eight years into Peyton Manning's career before they won the Super Bowl, and Tony Dungy, bless his heart, was sitting there every year going, listen, we just need to do what we do, but we got to do it better. And I've been saying it. This team has been good enough to win the Super Bowl for three years. Tell me I'm wrong. For three years, 2020, 2021, and last year before the DeMar Hamlin thing. They've been good enough for three. Just do what you've been doing and just do it better on a game that's an elimination game. There's no magic wand. You don't have to – we got to run the ball. They were 13-3 and three by eight points and from being 16-0. and 0. Just it. relax. They're good and they're going to be good again. And Steph is going to carry the team – He's going to be a huge part of this. He's going to have 100-plus targets. The guy's going to have 1,000-plus receiving yards. He's going to have a touchdown. I mean, it's June 13th. I'm telling you, I get it. We're all trying to fix it. It wasn't broken. It was not even close to being broken. So take a deep breath and... Take solace in the fact that we all lived through that drought thing, and I know we led the league in rushing in 15 and 16, 2015, 2016. We stunk. We stunk. We do not stink now. I got to get Steve a hat that says that. Just play your best on that day. I don't know if I can fit that on a hat, but if I can, I'm getting it for you. Yeah. Well, we gotta, let, me, let me work on it, and I'll come up with a bumper, more of a bumper sticker okay. for you. Let's go to Sue in Cheektowaga next. What do you got for us, Sue? Uh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, on the Steph Diggs matter, um, you know, I, I, I'm thinking to myself that with all the, the new offensive weapons we brought in and the fact that there's so much talk about kind of changing our offensive philosophy this year, uh, that perhaps he's concerned that he's not going to be the number one guy. Uh, for years, it was the Allen to Dig show, and that's what got us uh, all the wins, sure. But uh, perhaps he's concerned about that, and he just needs some time to uh, 
adjust in his mind that uh, he may not be the number one guy anymore, but uh, uh, spreading the ball around, uh, if that's going to get us a win, um, and he's so concerned about always winning that uh, it's just something he's going to have to accept along the way. Um, that's just my thought on it. I'll hang up and uh, listen to what you have to say. All right, thanks, Sue. Appreciate the call. Um, it could be any number of things. We, we don't really know. Uh, we're all just making suppositions and doing guesswork here yeah. as to what is it, what the issue is at hand. And, look, th- these things come up from time to time, and, you know, the front office, the coaching staff, the players have to iron these things out. Will they be able to? I'm confident they will, whatever it is. Um, I, it's, it's an interesting theory, Sue, you know, with Dalton Kincaid here, but I'm going to tell you right now, Steph Diggs knows as well as anybody else that the offense at times last year looked like a heavier lift in the second half of the season. Now, injuries had, a, had an issue and contributed to that, among other things. Getting help for the offense helps Steph Diggs because it takes more double teams away from him. So I don't think Dalton Kincaid and maybe the possible increase in 12 personnel personnel groupings is going to impact Steph Diggs all that much at all because he's still going to be one of the two receivers lining up on the yeah. field with those two tight ends. Yeah, we've been, I've been, we've been having this conversation all day, and I've been going around and around, and I've, you know, I've ranted my share of times. And when push comes to, sh- I'm just not that concerned that Steph Diggs is going to do anything to jeopardize his chance to line up at the at wide receiver one spot for the Bills this year. He is not going to do anything that he believes will sabotage this team's chance to win. June 13th, that would be really hard to do anyway. I just don't see that guy who's as competitive as he is, as good as he is, and as important as he is and has been, that he's going to do anything to jeopardize what he and Josh and the coaching staff and everybody's built here. I just can't see it. Yeah. We are at a break again, but we will continue pounding the phones with you. So if you're holding at 803-0550, we'll get right to you as quick as we can. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, right back to the phones we go where we have people holding at 803-0550. And leading us off here is Margaret in Tonawanda. What do you got for us, Margaret? Hi, guys. Um, I'd like to make a couple points as a grandparent. First, I think back on when things were going Steph's way, Josh was his brother. He kept calling him his brother. Now, I know uh, brothers will argue, but this has gone too far. Secondly... He's a captain. His teammates voted him captain. A captain leads his men. He doesn't have to like the situation, but he's a leader of his men. And thirdly, and most important, I have a grandson who wears number 14, and I don't want that example for him. I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Margaret. Peace Thanks, Margaret. Phone call. You want me to go first? Sure. Um, yeah, brother's going to fight. I don't think this – This I, I would be shocked, Margaret, if this had anything to do with Josh and Steph's relationship. 
at all. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I know people have really been busting it about Steph yelling on the sidelines on the Cincinnati game. That is, to me, that's not even a blip on either of their radar right now, except that people probably ask them about it. That's nothing. That's like fighting over a candy bar with your brother, and then the next day, I mean, you're both eating a different candy bar anyway. I mean, nobody, that's, that is nothing. Um, team captain, yeah. Whether Steph's handling this the exact right, if, if there's anything here to handle, I don't know what, if there is or not. It's being reported that Steph was in town. He was going to practice, and now he didn't. So and there, and who there's knows? more on this now from NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, who spoke to Diggs' agent, Adisa Bakari, uh, who put a statement out earlier where he said, you know, Steph was here on Monday and in the building today. He's just not practicing. So when uh, spoken to by Tom Pelissero, he said he did not know why Coach McDermott said what he said today. That's a direct quote from Adisa Bakari. And then he said the following. There are things being worked out on the way to being worked out. Stefan has been there Sunday night. He was in the building this morning. So what, what it is, we don't know. But NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, taking direct quotes from Adisa Bakari, Diggs agent, says things are being worked out as we speak. How long those take to be worked out, who knows? Whatever that is, um, I, it, it sounds like from the agent that this has nothing to do with Steph being unhappy with the team or the whatever. It sounds contractual, right? It might be. I, I don't know. I have no idea. We're all guessing. But my point is, and getting back to Margaret, and he is a team captain, whether he's handling this the right way or not. Yeah, uh, you're right. He is a team captain. Um, and as far as him being an example for your grandson, you're right. You, you expect the best from those guys. That's, and, and I would say at this point, I would not make the assumption that you haven't chosen wisely in having your grandson wear number 14. Yeah. That's still – that's a pretty good move for us. So – We'll see. We're going to step away from the phone calls here because we have Josh Allen at the podium, who's undoubtedly going to be asked about this. So let's go to Josh Allen addressing the media right now. You know what the uh, storyline is. We're not going to ask you to speak for Steph. What can you tell us about what you know about that situation? I know internally we're we're working on some things, um, not football related, um, but you know Steph, he's my guy. I I, excuse me, I don't love him. He's he's a brother of mine. Um, you know, this does not work what we're doing here without him. Um, you know, we, we, we wish he was in here today and, um, was out there on the field with us and that's, that's not the case, but I've got his back no matter what. Um, and again, I, I, I've got no doubts that, that we will figure out what's going on and, um, freaking love him. I, I can't stress that enough. You know, there's, uh, things that I, I could, I could do better and, um, you know, to help out with this process and, uh, try to get him back here and, and you know, be the Buffalo abilities that he's meant to be. You said not football related. Um, everyone saw what happened on the field in the loss to Cincinnati and what happened didn't leave in the locker room early. Does this stem from any of that, and has it evolved to something else? I mean, can you at least characterize? Well, one, I, I, I can't speak for him on that. Um, whether it does or doesn't, I think is besides the fact. Um, but, again, uh, I'm, I'm up here. I, I love him. Um, 
I just want him to know I've got his back, and uh, I'm going to do everything in my power to, to make sure that we can, we can get him back because we are a much, much better team with him on the field. And, um, you know, in order to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish, we need him. Um, and he's, he's an all-the-way in dude. And once he's, once he's all the way in, uh, he's going to be all the way in, and, um, and that's why guys gravitate towards him. He's a, he's a fiery competitor, and um, at the end of the day, he wants to win. Uh, this team wants to win, and, um, you know, he, he's – Make no mistake, but he's a Buffalo Bill, and um, you know we're we're gonna work it out. Josh, is this a personality conflict between you and E? Say again. Is this a personality conflict between you and E? Simply put, me and him. Is it a thing between? Is it a personality thing between you and him? No, I don't think so. I think that there are some some things that uh, could have gone better last year um, and didn't. Um, and just you know, I think we're just as a as an organization maybe not communicating the right way. Um, with, with everything. So, again, just trying to talk and, and listen at the same time and um, hear him out and, and, like I said, just try to move this forward as, as quickly and as respectfully as, you know, as possible. Um, yeah. Do you anticipate that he'll be here at all during this mini camp? I would hope so. Again, I, I, I want to I get back on the same page with him. And, um, again, he makes me a better quarterback, and I feel like I make him a better receiver. And, um, you know, we've done this for, for three years together, and, you know, I, I – you know, there's a lot more out there for us to be had, and you know, in terms of, um, you know, being ranked upon. You know, you talk about history and, and statistically all these different categories, but at the end of the day, we both want to win. Um, you know, and I got, I got no doubt in my mind that we can get back to that spot, and um, that's what we're going to do. This time that you personally spoke with him, and can you characterize that conversation in any way? Again, um, I talked to him today, and. I'm sure we're gonna have some more conversations moving forward, and you know, as an organization, as a QB receiver, as an offensive court, everything that goes goes in. Again, he he's such a special player um, that you know we don't want this to be a distraction. He doesn't want this to be a distraction. It is what it is, and and the positive thing is we're not playing a game tomorrow. We got time. This is mini camp. Uh, we got a lot of time to to figure this this out. And um, again, I'm gonna do everything I can to to. You know, get him back in our locker room and, and vibing with the guys, and um, you know, I got no doubt that that we will. Prior to today, how how much contact did you have with him throughout the off season? Uh, I mean, I, I would consider it pretty regular for um, how we've been. Maybe a, maybe a little bit less, but uh, in terms of scheduling and stuff like that, he he was he was all over the world and uh, being a fashion model, and um, you know, there's things that that go on. Uh, you know, I got to go to his uh, charity event there in, in Maryland. So um, again. You know, this this is what it is right now. Um, I'm not sweating it. Um, I love him, and uh, that's my brother right there. Josh, you said there's things you could be, you could do better, and you know, you can talk to him and that kind of thing. What are those things that you can do better to kind of make this situation not be a situation? Well, I mean, I think I think we'll keep that internal right now, um, and I'll leave it at that. Josh, why is this? Has this been hanging over for an extended period of time? Why is it seeming to come to a head? now where these conversations are being had and hadn't in the past? Um, I mean, I think just being together in the same room with, with people, um, you know, he's, he's, like I said, he's a special player and, and he makes our team better. And um, there's, like I said, there's certain things we can do to, to help help that out and, and figure out different ways to, whether it's getting in the ball or getting more involved in the game plan. Um, and again, I, like I said, I, I know that you guys are, Gonna hype this up and make this a big story right now. We're not playing a game tomorrow. This is mini camp. Um, I know everybody in our locker room loves them, um, and I don't think we're gonna see this as anything different other than um, 
a guy that wants to win um, and, and somebody that we need to, uh, you know, incorporate a little bit better in what we're doing here. And I got no doubt that we will. And, you know, at the, at the, at the moment, though, like, you know, we're still practicing. We still got guys coming out here and working hard. And, um, you know, he's been working hard on his own. And, um, like I said, the positive thing is we're not playing again tomorrow. The word we, you're talking about the organization, not, or is it just you and him? Or is there conversations and things that need to be worked out beyond your relationship with him? I think a little bit of everything. Um, you know, he's, he wants to win. And that's, that's what it boils down to. We want to win. He wants to win. I want to win. Um, and once we get back on the same track and on the same page, um, that's what we're going to try to do. Josh, on the surface, is, Josh, does he want to be here? Yes. On, on the surface, it's hard, maybe a bit hard to understand. He got a new contract last year. Since coming to, to Buffalo, he's second in the league in targets. So, you, I mean, he's a huge part of what you guys do offensively. So I, I think making sense of maybe his frustrations are maybe hard for a lot of people on the outside. Do his frustrations make sense to you, what you've been communicated? Do you understand them? Again, whether it makes sense to anybody on the outside or not, um, that's how he feels, and that's how um, – I mean, you can't take take that lightly. If someone feels a certain way, you can't just bubble over it. Uh, you got to hear what they're saying and, and try to understand it and um, try to work on it, and that's that's what we're doing. That's yeah, so Just to be clear, you, you mentioned at the start that you said it was non-football related. Um, so – I guess, can you elaborate on that in any, in any sense? I mean, I, th I think it has more to do than just football is, is what I'm basically saying. I think there's the football piece, um, one, and then and stuff that happens um, due to football, you know, um, and I'll just kind of keep it at that. Hey, Josh, Josh. So what, will, what will happen from here? Do you think you'll talk to him tonight, maybe? Tomorrow, like, how does that work from, from here till the rest of the week, maybe? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how it's all going to pan out, um, but again, we're not in we're not in training camp. We're we're not in in a game week. Um, this I know you guys love mini camp, and it's a chance to come out here and see some of the new the new players. This has no impact on on what we're going to be and how we're going to be going forward as a team. Um, and that's why you know again this is I'd say obviously we want him here. I want him here. I want to be throwing to him right now. I want to get in that time and down. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of time left. So I'm, not, I'm not trying to press you on this. I'm more trying to understand you. Right? I'm listening to you say get him the ball more, get him incorporated. And then if Jay asked non-football related that. So is, is it fair to assume or read into it that maybe things have become strained and evolved out of a football situation into stuff that doesn't have to do with football? Is that in a se in, without going into detail in essence what you're saying? No, I think, I think for the most part it has to do with uh, more, more teamwork than anything. Um, and I know that's – you can call that football, you can call that non-football. Um, but i got to be better, um, and I will be. And like I said, we'll, we'll figure this out and, and move on and you know, look at this as a, as a blimp in the road. Can you rewind back to last year and the way it all ended and, and you and Stefan on the sideline and everything. Do you wish maybe immediately after things would have went a little differently and maybe even, even after a little bit of time passed that you would have reached out to him if you didn't? Immediately after the season ended. Well, I mean, I think I, I wish we would have kept winning, and that's, you know, winning solves all problems. And um, yeah. Did you expect him? All right, that's Josh Allen addressing the media chiefly and solely about the Stefan Diggs situation. Just to uh, briefly sum up what some of what he addressed, he initially said that. Um, 
I know what's going on with Steph. It's not football related. I expletive love him. I've got his back. I'm doing everything in my power to get Steph back on the field. We're a better team with him. At the end of the day, he wants to win, and we want to win. He's a Buffalo Bill. We'll work it out. Later, he talked about how it's teamwork related more than anything. I've got to be better, and I will be. We'll look back at this as a blip on the radar. We have to take a break here, but Steve and I will wrap it up with some final thoughts when we return here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Just only have about a minute and a half left here, so sorry to our callers we were not able to get to. Um, Josh basically said we won't see this as anything different than wanting to win. And Steph has always wanted to win. We just have to incorporate him a little bit better, and we will. So that lends some to believe that this has to do with his involvement in the offense, but he's been the second most targeted receiver in the league the last two years. So I don't yeah, know how much it more. Might, and it might be more about maybe he wants, maybe he doesn't like the process they're getting to the game plans with. Maybe he wants to be more involved in that. I get it. Incorporated maybe. into the, the planning, planning and going yeah, in. Okay. Yeah. Maybe some of that. I don't know. We're, we're guessing. But it certainly doesn't seem like this is something that's insurmountable. So, I, yeah, like I said, I'm. let's just wait. It's going to – this thing's going to blow over. They're going to come back in training camp, and here we go. Yep. Uh, so we will check in tomorrow at 1 p.m. with another edition of One Bills Live, and we'll have everything you need to know from the practice field again as it's day two of minicamp. So stay close to One Bills Live. We'll see you tomorrow.